It's not the stress that kills us, it's our reaction to it. We're going to squeeze the stress ball on this episode of Live Happy Now. The ancient Greeks defined happiness as the joy you feel moving towards your potential. To think about positive psychology, it's a science. And it's actually younger than the internet, believe it or not. The reality is that social connection is, in the research, the greatest predictor we have of long-term happiness. You have some factors in your control that can promote the health and resilience and growth of your absolutely most important asset, which is your brain. And so it all comes down to understanding ourselves. There's a way for all of us to succeed, but, but it might take different things. We're all looking for the same thing, and that's a way to bring a little bit more joy to our day. Join us as we look at the many different paths that lead us to that happy place. This is Live Happy Now. Hello and greetings and welcome to another episode of Live Happy Now. I am your host, J.R. Houston. Please that you are making us a part of your day wherever you are in the world and however you may be listening. It's a it's a fine summer day here in uh, Dallas, Texas, and we appreciate you for joining us uh, wherever you are in the world. As we mentioned, we appreciate you picking up a copy of Live Happy Magazine, the latest edition has Anna Ferris on the cover, and you can get it uh, at Barnes & Noble, or you can get the digital edition. You can get it on the Google Play Store or on the Apple Store and take it with you wherever you may be traveling, just like you do with this podcast. It's pretty cool. We can also check out Live Happy Radio. It is uh, only on terrestrial radio in the Dallas market, but it's on 98.7 K-Love, which means that it is available worldwide on Radio.com. So if you happen to be awake on Sunday morning at 8 o'clock Central Daylight Time, you can go to radio.com search kluv and you can hear the radio show you will hear happy facts you will hear happy activists and you will hear previews of interviews that will soon be showing up on this very live happy now podcast including this one from this past sunday our conversation with me too sterone an author physician and researcher she qualified in medicine from the university of cambridge and trained in ophthalmology before undertaking research at the Nas- national hospital of neurology and neurosurgery in london where she was a clinical research fellow before relocating to Hong Kong. She's passionately interested in stress, and her book, Stress Proof, is coming out this month. Well, me too. We are very excited to have you on the program because I believe your area of expertise is something that more and more people around the globe are dealing with, and that is chronic stress. What is is your definition of chronic stress? So acute stress is, what we are exposed to every single day. So we, you know, we're sitting in traffic, we're sitting in our cars, we hit traffic, and we have a stress reaction. We go to work, we encounter our boss or a colleague we are not comfortable with, and we have a stress reaction. So that's acute stress. And acute stress is actually an incredible thing. It turns us into the most powerful version of ourselves so we can deal with the situation. And acute stress is engineered in a perfect way by our body. So we've evolved to have a really perfect process. We have nerve signals going on. We have hormonal signals going on. And the nerve signals acting through the autonomic nervous system kind of are are released at first. And then other hormones kick in and cortisol comes in a little bit later as well. And cortisol, for instance, um, has a very beneficial effect on the system. It reduces inflammation. It terminates the stress response. So acute stress is really good for us. It primes us to deal with something. Chronic stress is when that acute stress response 
either doesn't end properly, happens too frequently, or leaves a kind of a dent through its frequency and through its intensity. So chronic stress is when our body, like a stretched rubber band, no longer snaps back. That is chronic stress. Interesting. And is this something that is uh, a, a mental illness or, or a mental health related thing? Or is it something that uh, is chemically going on in our bodies that causes these problems? Or is it a combination of both? So it is a combination of both. So at the moment, the world most of us live in is not the world of thousands of years ago where we were attacked by animals, where we had to hunt for food and so on. Mm-hmm. Now we live in a social environment. So our primary, for the majority of us, our primary stresses come from interpersonal reactions, social interactions, and our psychological reaction to our peers. And one part of our brain, the, well, the, the, the networks in the brain that serve emotion are prime culprits or really important actors in, in our day-to-day stress response in modern life. And... Hence, the stress that we describe, the stress that most of us feel, begins all the way at the top in our brain. And normally, our brain has a fantastic auto-regulatory system. It, it orchestrates what's important, what's not important, where a reaction should happen, where a reaction should not happen. And in chronic stress, especially in the modern world, this balance is shifted. So really, chronic stress in today's world begins in the brain. And Mm. in order to tackle it, we have to look to the brain. Very interesting. I know that when stress is, uh, when it's something that's going on a lot in my life or or some of my coworkers, we start to get tension headaches or, you know, things just kind of start slipping through through the cracks. What are some other physical manifestations of chronic stress? So chronic stress is, if you're looking at within the brain, we, we find that um, if you look at acute stress, certain things are kicked off, certain processes are kicked off the moment you encounter something that's stressful. And these processes are as follows. You have a momentary imbalance or rather change in the way our brain circuits are coordinated, so more Um, emphasis is placed on emotional signals of threat um, or things that make you afraid, things that make you angry. So there's a shift in the brain where that happens. There's also a shift in our physiology. So for instance, we momentarily become insulin resistant when we are acutely stressed. We also become acutely inflamed when we are acutely stressed. Um, All of these things happen to help us. And then they are immediately terminated at the end of an acute stress response. In chronic stress, they they seem to go on. They almost seem to go awry. They they stop. The 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 emotional regulatory system, for instance, can stay in balance. Um, We can stay. Insulin resistance can continue. Um, And all of these things are they have physiological connotations but they're almost like a shift in the system. And what you describe as headaches and pain. So at the very baseline, of course, chronic stress 
can be felt in the way of you, you might feel that, okay, so you're coming home after, you know, after you're working, something's just not right, you're just not snapping back, you just can't relax, you can't breathe easily. And then, of course, you have other manifestations. So if you have, uh, if the brain circuitry now shifts to permanently give more preference to negative emotional signals, then you will also find, or others will notice, that maybe you have more of an emotional bias than before. You're snapping into anger. You're becoming more impatient. You're mm. reacting more to situations than you used to before. That could be another sign of chronic stress. Health-wise, if you're developing insulin resistance, if you're developing, um, if your blood pressure is always very good, but now something is wrong, you're, you're almost, your doctor worries that you might be developing the metabolic syndrome, that could also be potentiated by chronic stress. So chronic stress manifests in a, in a wide variety of ways. There is the mental and then there is the physical. And then the mental, of course, feeds in. So if your emotional regulatory system stays, in, stays with an emotional bias where you have a lower threshold for reacting to emotional cues, then you, of course, increase the number of stressful episodes you're exposed to during the day by causing unnecessary stress onto yourself and misinterpreting situations. And that, again, feeds back into the vicious circle. So hmm. how it's manifest, it can be manifest in a variety of ways, and they all feed into each other. So in one person, you might find that their emotional regulatory system is especially affected. In another person, you might find that they're just somehow sliding into this metabolic syndrome type um, phenotype, and you're not, and you know that they're working long hours and not eating very well, and you kind of correlate the two, and you assume it's a poor diet, and you assume, you know, it's it's just binging on pizza at the end of the day. But actually, that could be a manifestation of a global um, a disruption in the person's system through chronic stress. Interesting. We're talking with uh, Dr. Mitu Steroni, author of the book Stress Proof, and uh, we're looking at ways to improve uh, our lives in terms of how we are dealing with stress and, and in what ways we can figure out what's good and what's bad for us uh, when dealing with stress. Why does, uh, and this is interesting to me, and I, and I can kind of see where it's going, but I'm not an expert. Why does food play a role in uh, stress resilience? So this is a, a very, very interesting point. And I think for me personally, it's incredibly exciting because there's so much um, researchers unraveling so much at such tremendous speed on this area. So let's take a step back. And we know, for instance, that um, some studies, very recent studies um, have shown that, for instance, eating a Mediterranean-style diet or eating certain types of diets, perhaps with more variety and so on, acutely affects how you, so a Mediterranean diet has been shown to correlate with um, a, an absence of depression, so that's one thing. But also, mouse studies have shown that when you're eating something, for instance, um, there's a mouse study that's shown that eating a, refined, a diet that's high in refined food acutely affects the mouse's um, cognition. So hmm. diet and the mind have got an emerging link, and the link is becoming stronger and stronger. So there's uh, this recent study on the Mediterranean diet and um, its anti-correlation with depression. There's also the mouse studies, and now they're also converging on the role of the bacteria viruses. 
unfunky that live in our gut. So when we're eating something, we're affecting our gut microbiota. And the bugs that live in our gut are now being shown to have a very strong link with how our mind works. Hmm. And that is thought to be another very important route through which what we are eating affects how we are thinking and how we feel. So, for instance, I can give you another example that if you are eating a lot of, there is a link um, between eating a lot of refined food um, and having impaired cognition or not thinking clearly and so on. And that could happen through nurturing bad bacteria or creating an imbalance in the ecosystem within the gut that Mm. then causes bacteria or or other bugs to emerge which are unfavorable for optimal cognition. So that shifts the um, microbiota balance. So what we're eating affects that. And another study, for instance, has recently shown that prebiotics within the food, so things that are difficult to digest and hence act as food for our bacteria, prebiotic consumption is related to REM, rapid eye movement sleep. So if you have more prebiotics in your diet, the the intervals of REM sleep seem to increase. Now, this has been shown in in, um, animal studies. But there's an emergence, emerging evidence also in humans, and this correlates really well as well with um, stress because REM sleep is correlated with our ability to let go or to unlearn negative memories. So if you've had, a, if you're, if you're trying to get rid of things that cause negativity in your mind and that give you a form of uh, stress whenever you think about them. REM sleep helps you get rid of that reflex. And if that is affected through the prebiotics that we are eating, then you can see the incredible link. And um, which brings me to another really interesting point, which is that the bugs that that are in the gut, um, which are so responsive to what we are eating um, and may have this incredibly powerful role in stress, all of these connections have now um, started a very large clinical trial on veterans in the U.S. seeing if their PTSD can be treated with probiotic supplements. Um, And that started in summer last year, and we get the results next year, and they're all converging on what we're putting into our mouths, entering our guts, and hence creating something within the mind which we're trying to figure out, which has a very profound effect on our mental wellness and on our susceptibility and resilience from stress. I mean, who knew that there was a rabbit hole to fall down with this thing? I mean, you, you, that, the, the, everything you just said there is, I stood there with mouth agape going, really? Really? Because I'm, I'm thinking as I ask the question, oh, well, if we eat healthier foods, our mind knows that we're taking care of ourselves and it rewards us for doing that. But there's actual on a micro micro level, a biotic level signals that we're sending to our entire body that help relieve those things. That is incredible. Yes, that's right. And you know, I've certainly changed the way I'm eating. So when I'm eating and I think, what would my gut bacteria like me to eat? As opposed <laughs> to what do I feel like? Because, <laughs> because they really have such, tremendous implications and what I didn't mention of course is also the role of inflammation 
Um, so, you know, if you take a mouse and you make the mouse inflame, the mouse develops depression. And the similar effect um, also happens in humans. We have something called sickness behavior. So as soon as um, we, we get inflamed, so, you know, the prodrome before, say, getting the flu or getting a cold, you can see a change in mood and a change in behavior. We start feeling depressed. So emotion, so inflammation, triggering inflammation, brings on a negative mood state, which of course makes us susceptible to responding to negative cues and becoming stressed. So inflammation and the mind have another powerful connection. And of course, inflammation is heavily influenced by what's living within the gut, by mm. the bacteria. Um, within the gut. So again, that's another route through which food affects inflammation because certain foods also promote inflammation and that also affects our mental state. Interesting. So I might really want a gigantic uh, barbecue sandwich, but my gut is going to tell me later that you really didn't want that and it's going to affect everything I do. That that to me is is incredible how things are, are so well linked. It's really a, a marvel that uh, our, our minds and bodies work that way together. Absolutely right. And I think there's also emerging evidence that you describe, you know, you're at a barbecue on a massive sandwich, but actually it might be your, your gut bacteria telling you to go for the sandwich because you have some naughty bugs. Well, they're not <laughs> naughty, but, you know, putting the unfavorable bugs who want you to have, you know, the crave this huge, you know, greasy pizza or something like that. No. Um, but, yeah, so... So the gut, gut bugs have in, enormous power over us and hence over our minds. Very interesting. There's another thing that you talk about that can affect our, our stress resilience, and that's the body clock. Does that have to do with our circadian rhythm, or, or what do you mean by that? Yes, so um, so we don't have, we use the term body clock, but actually we don't have one body clock. We have hundreds and thousands of body clocks working inside us. And, you know, we take our bodies and our brains for granted. But if you think about it, we are the most sophisticated and complex machinery on earth. You know, even artificial intelligence is struggling to mimic our brains. That's yeah. how complex we are. And, and, and like any complex industry, and, and the other incredible thing about us, of course, is that we are plastic. We evolve, we adapt, we change. And that also takes enormous amount of sophistication. So every single process that's happening within us, whether we're digesting food, whether we're thinking, whether we're growing, whether we're changing, happens through a set of coordinated, precisely coordinated mechanisms. And they happen, they need to happen with perfect clockwork because otherwise there will be chaos. Systems won't run. Systems will get overloaded. There'll be too much going in at one end and not very much coming in at another end. So our whole physiology is adapted and optimized for perfect productivity. And part of that perfection involves the body clock. So we have evolved, for instance, to move around during the day, to be warm during the daytime, to eat during the daytime, and to be cold and not move around so much and not eat very much in the darkness. So because it's more efficient to channel all our resources to you know, getting through metabolism and movement and so on during the day, all the machinery that's 
that works to achieve this, they're all upregulated at certain times of the day and downregulated again at other times of the day. And one of the one of the consequences of urban life at the moment is we are losing this signal with our outside world. So, for instance, globalization is preventing us from working to local hours. So you might be living in like living in New York and, and working um, in collaboration with colleagues on the other side of the world in Hong Kong where I live and yeah. your whole um, your whole body clock changes because you're no longer just going according to your signals. You're straight, staying up late at night. You're using blue lights. Um, and all of these shift your body's perfect clockwork mechanisms to get things done. So that, that shift in the system is very unhealthy. Now, how that affects stress resilience is as follows. So first of all, all the so your metabolism, um, your growth mechanisms, all of those become hampered. And secondly, of course, there's a role of melatonin. So mm. melatonin, as you know, is a darkness hormone. And melatonin's role is in, in general health again, is emerging and is absolutely fascinating because it has functions as diverse as being an antioxidant. Um, it's seen to also have a negative impact on certain types of cancers. So, and of course, most importantly, melatonin is one of the big signals that coordinates our body, body's clocks scattered all around the body, melatonin and cortisol as well. So if you have a dysregulated um, body clock system if you're working night shifts all the time and you're never rebalancing your clock if you're not getting enough melatonin during the day and um, if your clocks are different from one day to the next constantly day after day then your melatonin um, production will be compromised and if your melatonin production is compromised of course your sleep will be compromised and that brings you to REM sleep and slow wave sleep which are both essential tools against stress resilience and melatonin also affects the bacteria in your gut which also as we've just discussed play a huge role in stress resilience because your and your bacteria work according to your body's clock so if they're shifted again your whole body's mechanisms are shifted hugely and melatonin, and we've talked about sleep, and sleep is, again, we've, we've just pushed it to the side. Many of us have, you know, have a tendency to go, oh, I can get by on only four hours of sleep or three hours of sleep. But actually, sleep is the brain's most powerful um, service station. It's, it's, it's the place where, you know, the, the brain's engine gets cleaned, gets serviced, all the redundant um, connections and networks get pruned away by microglia. We have a glymphatic system which cleans out um, all the, the, the garbage that we accumulate during the day. All of this happens during sleep. And of course, chronic stress is a consequence of um, of all of these mechanisms being impaired. So just by not, just by having disheveled circadian rhythms, disheveled, um, disordered body clocks, you're creating an enormous downward impact on all of these aspects, which are preventing you from being resilient. And, you know, mm. one of the really interesting studies that have emerged, for instance, in the, um, in the stress in the workplace world is that, um, 
you know, one big study has shown that the primary um, mediator between social stress at work um, or social uh, trauma, you can call it trauma, social, you know, the negative impact of social interactions at work right. and, developing cro- and developing chronic stress and mental problems is um, the absence of sleep. So if people are given enough sleep, they are shown to react less negatively to social stress at work. And that's a hugely powerful study. If you, if you look at, again, we're talking about veterans, um, because, of course, PTSD is the most, sadly, the most you know, obvious and, and potent form of, one of the most potent forms of chronic stress. If you look at um, PTSD, sufferers of PTSD, if, you, if PTSD is either sandwiched by good sleep, preceded by good sleep, or followed by good sleep, then its probability is far less likely. So if you, when I say PTSD, you trauma, so if you, if you have, a, you know, if you have soldiers exposed to trauma, but they're sleeping well before, they're sleeping well after, and they're sleeping well during, they are much less likely to succumb to PTSD. Interesting. So, Sleep is a huge, huge tool which we just take for granted. And again, that you can sleep well if you have good circadian rhythms because it's not just sleep per se, it's your quality of sleep. It's how much melatonin you're releasing, all of those link in. And there, the primary mediator of all of that is the body's clock. That is incredibly interesting, and it makes a lot of sense uh, to me, especially having done morning radio in the past, where you're up at four and then you're tired by three. Uh, I'm much happier now that I'm not doing that uh, anymore. Um, and also, I want to apologize because in Hong Kong, you're 13 hours ahead of where we are. So if we're messing up your rhythm, uh, we really appreciate you making that sacrifice to be on with us. No, no, not at all, not at all. It's, it's always great fun to see my <laughs> to see theories play up in practice. It's the best way of learning more about stress. <laughs> <laughs> well, there we go. I, I, we're helping with the research uh, process. There, there is absolutely, absolutely. There is so much more we could get into, and we are up against it uh, time-wise here. We'd love to have you back on to talk more about uh, the, the things that are in this book. And the book again is called Stress Proof. Uh, it is available uh, in August on August twenty second. It says is the release date. So uh, please, uh, folks, pick up a copy of this book. Learn more about uh, chronic stress and ways that we are finding. Uh, to to fight this, and it's written by, again, Mitu Steroni, a University of Cambridge-trained medical doctor, so you know she's not just making this stuff up. Thank you so much for joining us, and we will look forward to reaching out and talking to you again very, very soon. Thank you so much for having me. It's a huge pleasure to have us back. And if you would like a free sketch note of this episode, you can go to livehappynow.com. And while you are online, we do ask you to give us your feedback. We want to hear from you, not whether it's positive, whether it was negative, or whether you have something to add to the conversation. Please reach out to us. It is not a one-way conversation. You can find us on Twitter at livehappy, facebook.com slash livehappy, or you can send us an email, podcast at livehappy.com. We are wrapping up this episode of Live Happy Now, but... Don't forget, we have got the radio show coming up on Sunday morning at 8 o'clock Central Time. You can find us on 98.7 KLUV in Dallas or worldwide on Radio.com by searching KLUV. That's it for now. So for all of us here at the Live Happy Now podcast, I'm J.R. Houston saying so long and thank you for helping us to live happy.